Oh, hello there, and welcome back to another episode of What's With You, Scooby-Doo. Smith Galtney joins me for this very interesting episode. We talk about a classic episode, barely, and we talk about a lot of other things. Lester Bangs, Richard Linklater. We go all over the gamut. We talk about childhood and we talk about growing up. This episode is it's interesting because it's this tests the limits of what this podcast is about. Cuz ostensibly this podcast is about Scooby Doo, but the subtext has always been that this this podcast is about the people who come on it. And Smith, I feel like is such a fascinating person to to have a look at this this through this lens to to uh, uh, bring on to be like, hey, watch this episode of this cartoon and now what happens? And uh, I find it completely fascinating. I hope you do as well. So. We also do some uh, Brett Easton Ellis impressions. You might not know who that is. Uh, the author of uh, Less Than Zero or Lunar, Lunar Park, right? Uh, has a podcast. He used to have a free podcast, but... He has a very distinctive style, and we mimic it at a couple points in time. <sighs> Richard Linklater's Slacker, Richard Linklater's Dazed and Confused, Sean Connery reciting In My Life, which I didn't know was a thing. We'll get into that. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be fun. Let's go through this together, shall we? But, in the meantime, PortCon, if you're listening to this the day that it comes out, will be this upcoming Saturday at 5.30 in the Whaleback Room at PortCon, Maine. Uh, I will be doing a live episode with Spencer Albee, which will be a lot of fun. So, come out to that. In the meantime, if you want to get in touch with the podcast, check out What's With You Scooby-Doo at gmail.com as well as What's With You Scooby-Doo on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram, WWY Scooby-Doo. Thank you as always for listening and once again to the podcast. Let's Let's do do this. this. Say ego, but not ego as in uh, 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 hubris. Ego is in like Freud's ego, yeah. put into uh, ideology, and therefore when you threaten that, you're threatening somebody's very being from their perspective. So the tendency to become more defensive is uh, at the surface, the go-to rather than a step within a larger field of behavior. Yeah. Right. Yeah. What's with you, Scooby-Doo? Today on the podcast in the Scooby-O, I have Smith 
Gabba, Gabba, hey, Gabba, hey, Gabba, we accept you, Galtney. Yeah. What's you, happening? Just, you, you got my middle name right. <laughs> Here's the thing. With the middle names, it's always, I never plan them out ahead of time, and it has to alliterate. That's the only thing. So what comes out sometimes is not the most fluid. <laughs> right. But it sounded good. Right? Did it work? Yeah, it totally worked. Nice. I was really happy with it. I still am. <laughs> Just a small piece of joy I get to give to you. It's a wonderful thing. It's a wonderful life. Uh, Frank Capra died bitter and alone. No, I don't know if that's true. <laughs> <laughs> If the guy who made It's a Wonderful Life, you know, towards the end of it was like, screw it, life sucks. But that happens very, very, very frequently. People saying screw it, life sucks towards the end? No, just that people who get famous for one thing or then, you know, live lives that are completely uh, the opposite of what they're known for. Yeah, yeah. Mr. Brady for one. (laughs) Michael? Michael Brady, you know. Who would have known? America's most perfect dad <laughs> the dad everybody wanted yeah yeah it was in real life do you know uh i knew i know that there's things about him you don't know no let's get into it <laughs> he was gay oh okay he was gay and he died of aids oh was and that if it's like for me like you know mr brady being gay and dying of aids is like kind of you know mr brady was gay and he died of aids w- yeah, where was he in relation to Rock Hudson timeline-wise? Uh, I think he was a little bit after Rock okay. Hudson. Rock Hudson was more like the... Rock Hudson, AIDS-wise, was uh, <laughs> huge. <laughs> Rock Hudson was huge. Like, that that news was like, holy shit, Rock Hudson has AIDS, you know? Well, because that's I what mean, changed the whole Reagan yeah. thing, because him and Nancy Reagan were friends. Yes, yes. Although I still don't think that Reagan Reagan didn't, didn't mention it until I think 87. And I think Rock Hudson died in like maybe 84, 85. I don't know. Oh, well. Don't quote me on that. I'd, I'd also like to say that factually, you know. By the way, this is a no research podcast. You can't right. look up anything while mics are on. You just have to say things with confidence. Okay. Can I take, <laughs> can I take pictures? Yeah. I got no problem with that. Okay. I mean, I don't often have pictures taken of me, so right. it's kind of weird, but I'm fine with it. You don't you don't have a problem with that? I, you always seem like such a shy guy. <laughs> I'm very reserved. You know, uh, that's why I send my voice out into the exactly. internet daily. <laughs> you seem very shy and like, I don't know, you're just not very proactive about anything. Very retired, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I'm very retired, you know? <laughs> Uh, you know, uh, uh, doctor, I am Moraletti the clown, right? Isn't that the, the joke? Right. Right? I have no idea what you're talking about. Oh, the classic, there's like one of those classic jokes, uh, the guy goes into the doctor, he says, doctor, I've been feeling so depressed and I can't go on with my life and I just want to die every day and the world would be a better place without me. And the doctor says, well, you know, that's pretty serious. But there is levity in the world. There are things that can bring joy. You should go see Moraletti the Clown. He's in town right now, and he'll bring you so much joy. He's such a wonderful entertainer. And the man says, Doctor, I am Moraletti the Clown. (laughs) That was a slow burn on the laugh. I liked it. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. There you go. Yeah, it's one of those classic, you know. Somebody... I've been using this very old film camera. It's a, a do you know you, you know a for like a the large format cameras the kind that have the really big negatives. They're they're four by five cameras. Okay. 
Yeah. I mean, is this like a look over the top thing? No, that's with a the... Hasselblad. Okay. Neck. Jeez. <laughs> I didn't know there was going to be this much sass on camera talk. <laughs> I'll bring my game up. That's, that's a Hasselblad, Nick. No, a 4x5 is just like the old cameras that um, had the the accordion bellows. And, okay. And you had like the dark cloth over, you know. Yeah, so you, you hold can, up the magnesium well, flash. no, I mean, no. That, I've I, seen I, Back to the Future I, 3. I don't get quite that. <laughs> I don't get quite that traditional, but... Uh, Anyway, why why did I bring this up? Oh, because I've been using this camera lately, and and it's been really wonderful. But for whatever reason, and I'm not gonna tell the joke. I'm not gonna tell the joke. <laughs> okay, all right. But am I gonna guess the joke? Uh, yeah. When I've I've taken pictures of two people with this camera, or oh no, I mean more. But but two people I've taken pictures of with this camera have told me one very racist joke. <laughs> about taking pictures and it's like i don't know what it is about this camera it's like old timiness comes out and it's people are like here comes some old timey humor at you and it's like no old timey was horrible it's just like what don't tell me this joke and, and i've heard it twice and i'm like just because the camera is old-fashioned doesn't mean that we need to regress <laughs> just because the ca- hey the camera's old-fashioned i'm not right you know camera is old-fashioned I'm woke. <laughs> AF, as the kids say. Um, and speaking of wokeness, mm-hmm. yes, at woke. No, well, you see, for me, AF will always mean autofocus. Right. Anyway. I think it. that's on on that camera. <laughs> <laughs> Another thing is uh, I posted an old picture of my father, and this is just completely off topic. I'm not, fine with not that. Not totally off okay. topic, but... Um, I posted an old picture of my dad. My dad had two siblings, and it was all three kids, sort of a sepia tone photo of them when they were all, you know, not quite babies anymore, but still like, you know, pre K, kind of three or four. And uh, toddler, is that that? Not, not quite toddlers. Okay. But, um, excuse me. That was nice. You can build that, that out. Great resonance to it. <laughs> So, in one of it, his his older brother, my Uncle Bill, had his legs crossed, like, you know, like this. Okay. Yeah. Like I'm right. doing. Right. Yeah. Right. Like and a typical uh, kind of uh, side of the butt, you want to sit on one butt right. cheek, like cross. Right. side saddle. Yeah. Like a little bit of a side saddle. Yeah. And uh, so, I posted it, and... Bill is passed away about ten years ago, but my aunt, his his wife, his widow, if you will, I won't. But fine. I won't. <laughs> I but, refuse, uh, sir. She commented on Facebook. She was like, "She's from Texas." She was like, "Well, Bill's got his legs crossed like a girl." She's <laughs> like, "I'm glad that he got rid of that before I met him." <laughs> and I'm just like, Aunt Gloria, you are so not woke. <laughs> So not woke. <laughs> time to pick that. Time to pick that battle. Yeah. <laughs> right. I'm like, you're not woke on Gloria. Uh, um, but I see you're very gender fluid. <laughs> by my sitting style, at least. <laughs> right. You know, I mean, there are various things that I'll, that I'll, uh, right. yeah, I sit uh, side saddle. I yeah. cross my hands. Right. You know, when I'm wearing a skirt, I don't want anybody seeing up there. Right. But, you know, I mean, for instance, if you guys, well, you can see the room if you're looking at these cameras, but... <laughs> You know, right now I'm. We're sitting. I'm like. You know, this is in, in the in the way you're sitting. It's like you're sitting as if you're at like the Algonquin or something. <laughs> Talking with Dorothy Parker. 
You're like, we're trading witticisms. Cafe society. But then you look around and we're in a fucking attic. Yeah, yeah. And we're in like which? Where's the where's the the black light and the? <laughs> it does feel very teenagers bedroomy. I mean, you know, there are like toys around, and you know, and it feels heads. like there should be like you know a Hendrix poster, and yeah. we should be playing uh, the Who, and right. someone should be banging on the door saying, "Keep down that racket! Come on, Dad, you don't understand my generation!" Right, right, and someone, someone, you know, <laughs> ODing. Whoa, okay, well, this <laughs> this story took a left turn. <laughs> See, the way- Dad, I don't know what happened. See, that's the way you approach the story. I the way at this point in my life, the way I see the story is is like in this room is like yeah. the friend I went to college with who you know, I used to play guitar with him in this room. Okay. And 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 I went on with my life and every time I come back home after always the same. You know, I come back home and 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 in this room is like that guy and he's 47 and he's still playing the guitar and still smoking weed and still playing ripple and was well, zeppelin said the song remains the same right, the song remains the same and everyone's concerned about him and, <laughs> and he's about to die it's arrested development <laughs> right you know i don't think but don't you know nick this is not, this is not you're not you're, you're not, not telling me my future no. <laughs> you're not giving me a judgment call on my life oh thank god i thought that's where this was going <laughs> of course this isn't you nick what is this like a ghost of christmas future shit <laughs> you know how old are you nick uh i'll be 32 Ooh. yeah so it's time to shit or get off the pot right no 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 when would you say you grew up have you grown up when would you say I grew up? No, when would you say you grew up? I'm not saying. Uh, when I grew up, I would say, well, it, it, it's it's still not a, um, it still hasn't completely happened. Okay. But uh, I would say I shed my last, you know, sort of early adult skin. Yeah. Probably at about 39. Okay. So I got some time. Yeah, you got some time. Great. But the great thing about it is that it's just, it's like 39 was just my last layer of like giving a fuck. Interesting. Yeah. About what? Other, like, can you give us a couple? Other people or. Whoa, okay. Like... <laughs> That's interesting. I don't give a fuck about you. I don't. <laughs> right. Well, I mean, it just, you know, it, it's just at a certain point, you're just like, you know what? It's, it's. See, and, and this is the thing that young people don't understand. They okay, think, get off they my think, lawn, Grandpa. <laughs> right, right. But I mean, but they think that like something inside of you has died, and you know, you you just settle and and all of that thing. And sure, they, you know. But I mean, actually, it's like it's like you kind of there. There's a certain level of peace. Well, within yourself. Yeah, I mean, that's Zen, right? Yeah, that's what Zen is. It's yeah. it's it's refusing to allow earthly matters to get in the way of your spiritual development. Oh, I mean, let's let's not. Well, but you I mean, just, like you, you know, just made it sound way more like. Well, take the damn compliment where the compliment <laughs> comes, asshole. Jesus Christ! So typically, we start off a little history lesson, a little getting to know you. Uh, how did you come to our Lord and Savior Scooby Doo? How did? <laughs> How did, how did I come to what? Yeah, yeah. What? Yeah. What do you know about Scooby Doo? Um, 
what do I know about Scooby-Doo? I know that it seems to, well, well, first off, what I knew about it was that, you know, I used to watch it in the 70s when I was young. Great place to start. Um, and then suddenly, at some point, it became this ur-text. <laughs> <laughs> it became this, this rich... Uh, thing like I mean more I would say more so than any I know that like in the 90s it became really hip to like really Babylon like philosophically and critically and analytically about like cheap TV yeah. shows but I mean um, David Foster Wallace turned that into an art <laughs> yes and uh, but Scooby-Doo seems to continually like fascinate people just this strange band of characters and so I haven't ever really watched it, but most of my um, experience with Scooby-Doo since childhood has been the moment in Slacker. Do you remember the movie Slacker with Richard Rich- Linklater? Yeah, yeah, vaguely. Well, the guy was talking about just there's a whole, that's the first time that I saw someone like really kind of break down Scooby-Doo, like really, you know, deconstructed and and talking about how like Scooby snacks were some sort of like government control and. And um, so that was the first time that I saw that. I, mean, I got to revisit that movie. <laughs> yeah, you should. You should. I think I have that. I might even have that on Blu-ray. Oh, no. Really? I have the Criterion DVD of that. Oh, yeah. Okay. I haven't watched it in years. Okay. Right now, I've been a big fan of uh, Filmstruck, the streaming service. Plug for Filmstruck. Yes, it's actually really nice. <laughs> I think two weeks ago, we might have had a plug for Movie Pass for no apparent right, reason. Exactly. Just go to Filmstruck. Filmstruck.com. Honey, all of Kurosawa. <laughs> honey, should we start with some Truffaut tonight? Or, I don't know, maybe some Bunuel? I've kind of been wanting to see Breathless again. I don't know the last time I saw it. <laughs> oh, are you talking about the Richard Gere version? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Anyway, come on. Come on. You're making me... What kind of talk is this? (laughs) (laughs) Fucking nerd lost. (laughs) And I said, your Goethe is in my gooding. (laughs) Shut up. (laughs) What is this, a paradox? I feel like Goodle. (laughs) Uh, I saw somebody in my Goodle last night, you know what I'm saying? (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. Yeah, this was all terrible bits. You you also like you come from a background of writing about things. So yeah. I mean you you you've I mean I've read you talking about like Randy Newman and like you know things like that and especially music it's always fascinating to me like the import we put on music and pop culture because it seemingly is random i mean it's just words put to sounds at a rhythm and yet like you know revolutions start you know i mean it it cracks me up to no end that ska one of the most hated things in america still don't know why i love it uh the whole point of the checkerboard pattern was because of race relations it was meant to be an inclusive music and that was you know a a a shot against uh segregation why like, why do we take these things that can be shallow or can just be entertainment and put import to them? I mean, do you, we, also, you don't have to have an answer for that. <laughs> right, right. Or neither. Yeah. Or is it neither? <laughs> or is it neither? <laughs> I'm um, going to do some low monotone talking about <laughs> the problem in the culture 
Um, uh, so what was the question? The question was, why do we take these things that are just entertain- entertainment and then turn them into something that, you know... Oh, right. And I'm being glib by calling things just entertainment. I mean, I right. know there, there obviously is import because it never dies. But, I mean, things like Scooby-Doo... People do talk about it from, you know, either it's faux academia or even earnestly. I've always just thought that, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I've always thought that if you just enjoyed something and and if you got a certain amount of pleasure and joy from experiencing something, that for me, it's always just been natural to want to talk about it and discuss it and talk about why it made me so happy or, you know, why it upset me or what this music did to me and what it was saying and why do I like this album so much when this other album that kind of does basically the same thing does nothing for me. And and I was always sort of really fascinated by that. And also I really liked, I read a lot of music magazines when I was young and, and that was some of the first writing I got really, really into. I mean, other than like books and stuff, but um, I mean, other than, <laughs> yeah. What other things of writing are there? Just really quick. So we got magazines, we got books. Yeah. Were you reading a lot of newspapers? Right. What's you left? Know, newspapers. And, <laughs> um, yeah, no, you, you edit that part out. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't know. I mean, the best way I can answer that is like, were you around when? <laughs> were you around when? <laughs> but I mean, when was Lester Bangs? Was that no, hitting that was you? That was before, before you. A little bit before my time. Yeah. Yeah. Because he was writing in the early 70s? He was writing in the early 70s. And through the 70s, I, I can't remember when he died, but I think it was like the mid 80s. Again, don't quote me on that. But he was giving import to. Oh, serious stuff. The, the doors. Yeah. And the <laughs> idea that, like, you know, music was. I mean, I, I, I loved movies too, but music was really, for me in high school, was like a big fucking deal. Like when I got like a stereo and I started collecting CDs, like that was major for me. And so, you know, it was interesting to just sort of have these really intense experiences while listening to records and then suddenly like open up, you know, a Rolling Stone. And then there was these these other people who were like, clearly it had like, we're taking this as seriously as you were in your brain. And so it was- You almost get to relive the experience of listening to it from a different perspective. Right. But then it was also like this kind of cool feeling of like, wow, you know, like all this shit that I'm thinking in my head while I'm listening to these records, like that could actually be like, that could actually become writing. Like maybe, maybe I could, you know, I liked the idea that like, I could turn my thoughts on these records into like writing into know? into art. Yeah, I mean, into to a certain art. you know, it could yeah, be yeah. something. And 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 it actually got really more intense when I moved to New York. And I, I we started, get it. You lived in New York. <laughs> you know, my uh, my semester abroad. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, oh, I forget what you guys call them here. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I just had to get that in really quick. <laughs> Didn't you live in New York? No. No, I didn't. I, no, I've lived in Texas, New Hampshire, Maine. Uh, I mean, you know, in college I did a semester abroad in France. You know, it was a really eye-opening experience being part of another culture. <laughs> yeah, you did go to France? Yeah. For how long? Uh, a semester? Yeah, six months right. or something. That's why they call it a semester abroad. Well. Um, well, no, but I mean, I started reading like writers in the Village Voice and 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 places like that, and 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 Lester Banks was the uh, you know the the carburetor dung or whatever that collection of his you know that 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 collection of essays of his. He went. He would go for it. I mean, he really like wrote about. 
I mean, his essay on Astral Weeks and there was one book he did about Blondie where he just talked about Deborah Harry. Like, I, I, I can't quote exactly what, what he said in it, but I just remember, and I've actually never read the actual book, but I read something about the book and it was- <laughs> And like, it was fantastic. It was fantastic. <laughs> but then, you know, I mean, I always have liked, I've always liked reading people's reactions to art. Like, you know, yeah. I, I've always, I've, you know, it helps me understand the art. I, I, I don't know. It's like when I experience- a great movie. The first thing I want to do is read about the movie, and I want to read about. I want to read criticism. Right, right Just now. have more of it. Almost. Yeah. Yeah. Like I mean, you know, one of the things I love right now is is with binging and and everything. It's like you know, if 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 I start like if I get in like right now, I'm watching The Handmaid's Tale. Like you know, and it's like if I finish with an episode, I'll go to Vulture. You know, and read the recap and I want to read the recap. I want to read what 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 people are commenting on that. I don't, it's just you know, it's like. I enjoy that kind of, you know, discourse and that that conversation and and um it's That's really... interesting cuz I I think I dive into comment sections quite frequently but I think it's more of like a mental masochism for me. Like I well, dive into common threads to to like hate myself and other people. Well, right, but there's a difference between getting into the comment section of say <laughs> AV CNN, club. yeah, yeah, you know, <laughs> any political thing right News now, right? Versus like a comment section of like an episode of The Handmaid's Tale. I mean, yeah, you know, usually it's people who are like discussing plot points and like what happened here and why did so and so react that way and what yeah. was going on with that one shot about this. Well, I think and, that he's been dead the whole time. Shut up, Deborah. <laughs> right. I mean, but it doesn't. You know, obviously, anything online gets to be a little funny and how things can escalate, but, you know. <laughs> For no reason. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Well, one of the things that um, people tell me sometimes, and it's usually my sister. Okay. Shout out. Shout out to the one who always says that I'm cynical and bitter. <laughs> is that here's the thing, is that I have very, and this is a word I hate using, passionate okay did i say that do you want to give you want to give it a little little uh uh, very passionate reactions after dark radio yes Um, our letter comes from (laughs) siegfried (laughs) i was working late one night (laughs) when all of a sudden (laughs) um well i have very intense reactions to things um yeah you pour yourself into whatever it is that you want to care about right Yeah, yeah and you know, I've also had a lot of, you know, education as far as, you know, I've never finished a novel. I've never really even started one. You just uh, dive right <laughs> into the middle? <laughs> uh, what I, is this? Page couple, seven. <laughs> right. I have a couple of very bad screenplays that I've written. They're oh, my horrible. God. I want to read all no, of them. really don't. How, really don't. how bad are we talking? Because no. I want to read They're all really of them. They're really bad. They're really bad. But, I mean, I, you know, I t- I've taken a I've, – I've had – Here's the thing is that I haven't had a a, a tremendous amount of like artistic output, Mm. but I've had a really good artistic education. And so it's like I've I've taken plenty of like novel workshops. I've taken plenty of like screenwriting workshops and all this stuff. Comedy workshops. Comedy workshops. So it's like I know about the tools. Right. And I know what makes things good. You're almost bred to do criticism. Right. (laughs) So – when I watch things and 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 sometimes if I see that things aren't good or if I see that like a show involves something that I think is awesome and then they start handling it badly yeah. and, and and I get upset. 
Right. Um, so it's not like I'm, I don't have like a completely civilian eye. And I sure. guess maybe I shouldn't say civilian. Maybe I, if civilian is a nice way of putting it. I mean, otherwise I would say, I could say lay person. Well, yeah. I mean, you, you, sheep, you've been trained in the behind the scenes, yes. uh, uh, structures that go into this thing. I mean, yeah. it's the same as, you know, if you, if you study multiculturalism and you, wa- you can watch something like, uh, let's say, All in the Family, you're going to have a, a different perspective on the relationships. If you're a family therapist and you watch, you know, Three's Company or whatever, you're going to have a different relationship to that media than if right. you're watching it from, you know, whatever other perspective. Right. Can I talk more about my sister? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm excited. Okay. So this is exactly what's the age difference you don't have to say her age years older than me okay emotionally well culturally she's um 40 years younger than me interesting (laughs) no i'm just kidding but uh she's all over that instagram she's uh she loves she was very torn up when dj avici died no 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 i didn't even (laughs) she goes to coachella every year i didn't say that right i didn't say that uh No, I, I, judging from the feedback I'm getting for you, I'm like, no, I should have said 40 years older. Oh, okay. Anyway. So anyway, she knits a lot. <laughs> all I'm saying is that what I just said failed completely. <laughs> so um, here's the thing is that she loves Modern Family. And I loved the first few seasons of Modern Family so hard that I binged them so fast. And what I find is that sometimes like, um, it reminds me of like this time that I was in college and I had an egg salad sandwich for the first time in my life. And every time I went to the cafeteria, they always had egg salad. So right. I had, I had egg salad sandwiches like every day for like two weeks. Oof. I haven't had an egg salad sandwich since because I just, it just at a certain point I was like, I can't do this anymore. Yeah. You're burnt out. So it was similar with American, uh, excuse me, with modern family. Like I, I, I binged. I hope you had that experience with American dad too. <laughs> With American Dad. <laughs> Modern Family, I binged it so hard that I was like, okay, I, I was like, I'm done with these people. Yeah. So anyway, Modern, Eleanor, my sister, calls me or sends me a text and she says, oh my God, I just saw the most creative, the most clever, wonderful episode of Modern Family. So she says, go watch it. So I go watch it. And, with this hype in your head. Right. And but already no. uh, a, a a saturation of Modern Family in your brain. Yes. Yes. But I mean, I was I was like, fine, you know, and and here's the thing is that she thinks I'm cynical and bitter because I I don't like the things that she likes. Right. And I'm about to explain to you why I don't like the things that she likes. So this whole episode took place like the whole screen Uh was basically the mom's desktop screen. Okay. So the whole episode took place on her desktop and oh. you could see the cursor messages move, coming in the cursor moving yeah. and she was the whole plot was that of the 20 minute episode was that she was stuck at the airport and she had to communicate with everyone about like you know or you know busy working mom and so she had right. to like feel the calls from the husband and the text messages from the you know in the FaceTime call yeah I was about emails. to say and everything has to happen on a computer screen so everybody's right. skyping in <laughs> right so there's lots of skypes there's messages right. and the whole time it's an Apple it's very clearly an Apple desktop yep I mean at the end of it I was like 
oh, okay, wow. I'm like, Apple must have given them money. Yeah. You know? Apple must have given them money. Yeah, what they, you they... see at the end of 30 Rock a lot, you'll see, like, and thanks to computers donated by Apple, and yeah, yeah their two sponsors are Apple and Snapple. <laughs> right. But my guess is, I maybe I'm wrong, but I, I would, I would, I would assume that they got so f- they got far enough into the season, and then they were like, "Oh shit!" Like we need money for the well, rest. No, Apple gave us this money, and we haven't really put that many computers throughout the. So why don't we come up with this thing and reverse make, engineer a plot around right. having uh, a computer beat it the whole time? The Apple, and, yeah. and, and 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 as a, it was a very as an advertisement. I thought it was really like kind of ingenious. It was. Um, well, it's no, nobody at one point looks at the camera and says, isn't it amazing how smooth this computer works? Right. You it's know? so natural. Right. But I mean, they were literally using storytelling to to sell the product. Yeah. And did they show features of the computer? Well, I mean, was there, yeah, did like, you use I mean, Siri at one point? It was funny because I was watching and I was like, oh my God, my, my laptop can do that. Like, you know, she... <laughs> She was using the like spotlight function, you know, to search things really quickly. Oh my god! And there was a couple of moments where I was like, "Oh my god!" I'm like, "I can do that." Look at all these shortcuts she's using. And um, but I called my sister up and I said, "That makes me so happy." Well, I called her up and I said, "Okay, so I watched the episode and and I'm like, wow, Apple must have given them money, right? You know." And she goes, "Wow, I didn't even like that. Didn't even cross her mind, right?" And but like, she also takes that as that's the only thing you saw. You didn't see these things that I saw. I have a tendency to jump ahead in conversations. I apologize. Right. Well, no, but she, like the idea that that didn't even occur to her. Interesting. Like for me, like, I mean, she might see me zeroing in on that as me being cynical right. and everything, but it's like me re- me thinking that Analyzing. she didn't even, uh, didn't even know that. And I'm like... Oh my God! You're such a you're 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 just a total cog. Yeah, <laughs> sheeple. Is you that where you're going sheeple. with this? You yeah, are yeah. total sheeple. You know, <laughs> it's like mm, okay. But anyway, you know. She, well, um, so let's see what's gonna happen. So we're gonna watch OG Scooby Doo. We're gonna return to the seventies. Okay. So what happens? I mean, let's see what happens when this analytic eye is turned on something like this. Okay. Well, you know, um, I, I think that's a fantastic idea, and right. um, we'll be right back after this word from Filmstruck. <laughs> like this place looks like a storeroom for spider webs. Wow. A spooky room filled with haunted spider webs and creepy old looking chests. Wonder what's in them. <laughs> Funny place to keep bats. Hope they've all like flown the coop. There's nothing in here but a bunch of old costumes. <laughs> <laughs> hey, somebody around here must have been in showbiz. Reggie. Yeah. <laughs> Zoink! <laughs> Very funny. But don't take it off. You look better with it on. So. So how that uh, critical eye take in one of the treasured American classic Scooby-Doo. Initial impressions. Well. 
<laughs> he said very deliberately. I'm reading this from one of your screenplays. <laughs> um, it uh, it's a really weird. You know, I I can't say I had a very critical reaction to it. Okay. I had more of a emotional reaction to it. Okay. It's interesting watching something that you haven't seen in probably 30 years. Yeah, and that's also, you know, a dated thing. Yeah. And is also presumably meant for children. Presumably meant for children. There's a lot going into it. Which is really weird. Um, I used to see Shaggy as... I know that everyone, like, now the popular sort of assumption is that that's Shaggy is a total stoner. Right. Right. You, well, I mean, I don't think that that's an interesting way of looking at it. But yes, that is a common thing that you hear. Right. The weird, and also, you know, how, you know, like when you're a kid and you watch, or, you know, when you're a kid and you see things like, you know, like say when I was, you know, six, seven years old or even younger and I was looking at these people, it was, it was basically like a show about adults. Right. You know? Yeah. Right. It was just that these adults who had these jobs as like, you know, these crime solvers or whatever. Yeah. I mean, when um, I was a kid watching Saved by the Bell, I never suspected that any of those people were 26. Right. I was like, that's what high schoolers look like. Right. Exactly. Right. And these are grown people. And, and, you know, so it's weird to like, you know, for instance, like Thelma. Thelma's the one with the glasses, right? Yeah. Like she looked like a kid to me. Real Now. Yeah, now. Right. Now, I mean, I'm just talking about it now watching this at, at, you know, in my mid to late 40s. Right. <laughs> um, and they're supposed to be kids. Right. Right. But And Thelma definitely looks like a kid. Right. Um, but it's weird. Shaggy actually looks older than I remember him. You'd think that he would look younger because it's like it's been 30 years and I'd be like, oh, you know, he was just a kid. But no, he looks older and sadder. <laughs> So okay. Well, I didn't see Sadder coming, but yeah. No, he looked he he looks he looks even like, you know, now I just see him. I think he is that 47-year-old person who's still in the attic. <laughs> yeah, he's the he's hanging out with the kids, being like, "Hey, we still go on adventures, right?" Right, yeah. Like he's kind of like he's the Matthew McConaughey in Dazed and Confused and he but it, but second it, Richard Linklater reference. Right, because you know. <laughs> that's how I <laughs> All right, all right, all right. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, you know, it's like I, I felt sad what, looking at Shaggy. Interesting. Yeah. Now, okay. So when when you go back and watch something like this, do, does it does the critical eye turn on in the sense of like, can you watch something like this and and invest yourself in it? Or Because, I mean, there are plenty of people who, you know, if if they don't, have any interest in something that critical eye is never going to turn on they don't want it and they're, they're able to dismiss it but are you able to like look at something like this even though it's it's fairly dumb i mean i love it but it's fairly dumb are you still able to kind of be like all right i'm gonna get into this i'm gonna yeah. play ball yeah i mean mostly what i do is uh it's it, the fun for me is 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 applying logic to it yeah right always you know like when Shaggy and Scooby were 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 stuck behind the TV, <laughs> and they they pop into the TV randomly. Yeah, they pop into the TV randomly, and they suddenly I don't know where the all and, and they enact all of these different channels. They had full costumes, full costumes, <laughs> which just come out of nowhere, right? You know, 
Where was there another moment? Um, like, where did they suddenly get three or four different Jekyll and Hyde costumes? Right. Yeah. Well, and the other thing is that it kind of sells itself, maybe not fully, but it kind of sells itself as being realistic, right? I mean, like, in insofar as a point of the show is that ghosts aren't real, right? And that this is supposedly a logical universe, but then also there's five doors in escalating smallness that lead to a mouse that's pissed off. Yeah. And those two things are supposed to live next to each other. Right. It's like, well, of course, ghosts don't exist. Right. But we have costumes with us at any given point in time. <laughs> right. And they have, you know, this dog with them who, you know. Oh, talks? Yeah. For, yeah. But, but also for no reason. Like, they live in this universe where it's very practical. The dog doesn't even need to talk. It doesn't even need to be a dog. It's like a weird non sequitur in this world. Yeah. Yeah. Right? It's not like he sniffs. At no point did somebody say, hey, sniff stuff out. Yeah. Or do something a dog does, you know? Right. So, I mean, I, 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 did I have any sort of critical reaction? I mean, yeah, like, I mean, the fun for me is sort of applying logic to it and being like, you know, and also sort of seeing just the, what do you call it? The, um... What do you the dimension the the space dimensions of the of the room perspective how, the perspective thank yeah. you like how they they just are suddenly like in this really small attic and then they you know are like oh my god run and then they're running <laughs> for, for twenty like, minutes for twenty <laughs> minutes through this room like that's sort of fun that that's sort of something that I never would have caught as a kid but I mean I think eventually at a certain point I think I caught on like oh this is a little bit a little bit of a wobbly world here yeah right um but. You know, I don't know. Gosh, it was just more interesting. It's just, it's so hard for me to like, I mean, I wasn't, I think I was sad about Shaggy, but Nick, I think it's just because I'm sad about me. (laughs) Well, this just took a turn. (laughs) I'm just watching it and just all these years have passed and they haven't changed. (laughs) I have. What brought you so much joy is now causing you to to think of whatever happened to that little boy sitting next to his sister on the rug, enjoying and not seeing flaws in the logic. Right. I could just I could just go with it, and and now I I can't. I don't know. Do you think that that went with that last shedding of youth at thirty nine? No, I think that it went. When did that whole? When did when did when did the first part of me die? Let's get into it. I'm down. I am fully down for this conversation. I think the first part of me died when. Let's say I'm gonna I'm gonna throw a number out. I know when the first part of me died. Okay. I got into a fight, either fifth or sixth grade. I got into a fight at school earlier than I saw coming. Okay. Yeah. No, I yeah, I didn't I didn't I didn't get punched in the face until probably about 10 or 11. Probably 11. Why are you laughing at <laughs> Cuz I love that it that you see that as taking forever to get punched in the face. You're like, I didn't get punched in the face until I was 10 or 11. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I've I never thought... been punched in the face. I don't want to be punched never... in the face. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it didn't it was, it was, a, you know, it was, it was, I, I grew up in New Orleans and got very hot there. We mm. were, we were finishing up baseball or whatever PE activity we were doing. Yeah. And everybody hightailed it to the water fountain. Great. 
Great. Great, yeah. great thing to do when it's hot. And uh, I went up to, uh, I was waiting my turn in line. And then uh, this kid named John Baxter sort of was acting like he was going to get in front of me. And I'd so like to point out I that you, the of, way you phrase this, he has not actively cut you or gotten in front of you. He's seeming like he's going to get well, in front of you. Well, it was like he was getting in front of me. And I don't know what happened because John Baxter was always the kind of, the kind of guy that was like, could totally fuck me up. You know? Yeah. Um, this is also presumably 35 years ago. So your memory of this. This was probably 81, 82. Okay. And... Uh, so John Baxter in front of me, and then I don't know what happened, but I was like, I want my water, and I waited for this, and so I kind of shoved him, completely unaware that behind him was like a small little step. Okay. So uh, I somehow I ended up like totally leveling. <laughs> John Baxter? John Baxter <laughs> fell on the fucking floor. Okay. And... Everyone started laughing at John Baxter. So mm -hmm. it was basically like, okay, John Baxter's just been humiliated. There's some shame. Yeah. What happens when dudes are shamed? And what happened after the, <laughs> you know, he's got to, he's got to, you know, establish. Uh, Dominance, yes, right? He's got to pee on me. <laughs> you know? Bite your Unfortunately, ear. Unfortunately, that's not what happened. <laughs> Unfortunately, okay. All right. Well. Unfortunately, I would have rather have been pissed on. But he, he punched you? Because that would have been love. Wow. No, I'm just kidding. It's not. <laughs> love and hate all kind of joined together, you know what I'm saying? Uh, so, no. And, and what happened after that just was, it was the classic, like, I just saw it in slow motion, you know? He gets like, up. He gets up, and it's just like. And I remember thinking, I was like, oh, wow. I'm like, I just pushed John Baxter onto the floor, and he's getting up, and he's going to come towards me, and all and something's going to go down. All of the TV shows I've seen and all of the movies I've watched with fights, I'm like, I'm going to feel a punch. And then I just got, I got punched right in the face. It wasn't really in the face. It was more like on the side of the head, but it was, right. it was enough to like, it was traumatizing. Well, it's it going to, yeah, like, you got hit regardless of where it was. Yeah, it was traumatizing. And it was like, and I just remember I doubled over and I was like. Ow. I was like, okay, I'm just going to, I just kind of like crouched down and I was just like, I'm just going to take these and I'm just going to sit here. And he kept going like, come on, man, come on, come on. Like this is, you know, it was kind of like. It know, sounds like he immediately regretted what he did. Well, he, he was just like, come on. And he was like hitting me. And he I kept hitting like, you? Not, yeah, he kept hitting me. And like, and then. You and then, go down, and while you're down, he's hitting you still. No, I wasn't down like on the floor. I was just, I was more like, I was more like. Protecting ducking yourself. for cover. You yeah. Know? I was just like, oh my God, you know? And, and I took all of my blows. And, uh, you know. And it, you ascribe that as a moment of losing innocence of youth. Yes, because I remember I went home and I. You know, as far as I was concerned, it was like the whole world had changed. And I remember going home and telling my mom, like we were doing the dishes, and I said, Mom, I got beat up today. I got in a fight today. And she said, okay. And I said, well, aren't you going to do anything about it? And then she said, no, I think you're old enough now that you can take care of your, you know, you can, you can handle yourself and take care of yourself. Yeah, you have to process this yourself. Yeah. This is a moment for you to 
Yeah, and it was sort of the first time that I realized, like, oh, mommy's not going to fix this. Yeah. And I think that was when the first part of me died. I taught you self-reliance. Right. Uh, that, yeah. No, it just That's was like... That famous Indian and Jones quote. <laughs> right. So, um, have you ever heard, uh, speaking of Sean Connery... Uh-oh. Have you ever heard him... Um, Say that he re- loves beating women? Re- <laughs> recite uh, the Beatles in my life. No! Is this a real thing? Right. Uh, it's a thing. He did an... George Martin put out an album in, like, the late 90s, and Sean Connery, like... He, there's like an orchestral version of in my life and Sean Connery like gives a dramatic reading of the of the the song and it's like there are places <laughs> I remember there are places I remember in my, in my, my life, life I've loved them all <laughs> so uh, uh Connery Shatnering <laughs> yeah he is it's very Shatnering <laughs> So anyway, That's that was just uh, you know. I mean, the the, the, the so I, I don't know if I'm staying on topic here, but That's about as on topic as I usually stay. Now, but I mean, the thing the thing behind it is that like that. Would you say you were ten years old? Uh, I was about ten or eleven. I mean, that's still pretty young. Well, it was like about about two years before that. I got cast in a school play. I was It was in fourth grade, and Miss Camille was the director of the plays, and it was a Thanksgiving play, and I got cast as a father in the play. <laughs> and Because uh, um, you always she, had that strong chin, I bet. <laughs> right. <laughs> and she gave out the scripts, and uh, she said one thing to us as we left. She said, don't tell anyone about this. And so I immediately went out to the playground, and I said, I have a secret father. Oh, okay. I told everyone. I mean, I told a couple of people. Yeah. And so you were in holding court in the middle of playground. So I, I had to go pick up something in her class later in that day. And as I went in, like, um, uh, uh, you know, and I picked up what I needed to pick up from her and on the way out, my, one of the people I had told looked, looked at me and, and the class was very silent and he just said, Smitty is the father. And so he totally busted me. And then she said, give me my script back. And so I handed the script back, and I was just broken. There were consequences to your actions. Yeah, I was broken. And so I went home. And this was in fourth grade. Like This was like a year before or a year or two before. And I went to my mom, and I said, this teacher did this, and I'm really sorry and everything. And so my mom got on the phone, and then next thing you know, I had the part back. She took care of it this time. Yeah, mine took care of it. Okay. So it was like like, you know, a year or two later, I was like, Oh, my mom's not going to do anything for me anymore. Yeah, this is the end of that. Yeah. You know, some people might reach that point when, uh, you know, their allowance gets cut off. I mean, not yeah. me, but, right. you know, some people. My allowance, I think I still get an allowance. <laughs> I do. I actually kind of do. It's arrested development. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, I mean, that's interesting. Because the other thing, I mean, you know, you talk about the Matthew McConaughey style character, the person who always stays young forever. And the the point of you maturing in those moments is that there were stakes, there were stakes to your life that you had to deal with. And I think, uh, you know, and this is going to be a little bit of that like foolish, you know, uh, uh, overly academic or ascribing meaning to the uh, pop culture but i mean the, the thing behind scooby-doo that's so fascinating is even though you know it's held up as this thing of like oh you know they're constantly trying to figure out what reality is like at one point shaggy is kidnapped by this monster but like gets away there are never any stakes like their mom is always calling the teacher and making it all right 
you know, yeah. their mom being the universe. Right. Yeah. It's an easy lifestyle to live, that sort of vagabond lifestyle, if there are no stakes to it. If you constantly go in against these people and you always win, then you're never going to be scared of going against these kinds of people. Right. But part of maturing, and it sounds like part of your, like, you know, what the, the mile markers in your memory are like moments where it's like, oh, shit, this is what I have to deal with. This right. is now me. I have to go up against this. I might get punched in the face. Right. <laughs> I'm never going to shove John Baxter again, metaphorically speaking. Right. I mean, so oh, so are you are you basically saying that like are you're making some sort of like correlation or parallel or whatever between the fact that like Scooby Doo didn't it, it was like suddenly I realized that the world the the universe of Scooby Doo had absolutely nothing to do with my world. I was merely I was putting that as a realization that I was just having. Yeah. But I mean, to a certain extent, you know, that's an interesting point that like, I mean, those are your mile markers, right? Is that like, those are the things that are popping up in your head. Well, here's the thing is that I, I Scooby-Doo really kind of wasn't my jam. Right. Yeah. Like, I, do, I don't know. I don't know. It was kind of that part of the Saturday morning cartoons where it was like, I always thought it was. I always thought it was kind of weird. Like I, I, I preferred Fat Albert. I preferred really, yeah, Good Times and like Fat Albert. Have you ever watched Fat Albert? Yeah, yeah. Na, 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 Good Times. <laughs> I liked Fat Albert. What else did I like? I liked. Um, I guess Scooby Doo. I liked. There used to be this great. Oh, what was it called? There was some Hanna-Barbera thing where it was like the Hanna-Barbera All-Stars. Oh, Laugh Olympics? Yeah. Where it's Battle of the Network Stars, but with cartoon characters? Right, yeah. <laughs> right. I thought that was so cool. Yeah. you. I mean, it's ridiculous when you go back and look at it, but right. yeah, that's yeah. interesting. I mean, but... The, and also, like... Go on, I'm sorry. Well, it's interesting because no, knowing you sort of tangentially, it, you, you, you kind of come off as a serious person. You know I what do? I'm saying? Well, yeah. yeah. I mean, you you love to look at things critically. Your your portraiture, I think, is very. I don't know anything about photography, but it, to me, it's very deep. Like when I yeah. look at the pictures that you take, it seems very. There are layers to it, or there's something going on. Yeah, and it's funny to think of a child you having to grow into that seriousness. You know what I'm saying? Like like to to sit there and like something ridiculous like Laugh Olympics has a certain level of frivolity that isn't on brand with, you know, uh, uh, the the latest photography show that I went and saw. You know what I'm saying? Right. Like, like co-opting that together in my mind is an interesting disconnect. Right, right. That's interesting because I feel like photography is sort of, it's kind of, in a lot of ways, it's a very sort of, it's got its head up its ass a lot. Um, yeah, sure. You know, um I mean, all art does to some extent, but um, there's this thing about photography where it's like pictures of people smiling or people goofing off or or, or just like because it's black and white, you know, yeah, like, like there's I a mean, depth added to it. Yeah. So I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I'm still kind of finding, I think, I think I'm probably still in a mode of photography where I'm imitating people as opposed to, I haven't, I still have, feel like I, maybe I haven't found my voice. Do you feel like frivolity should be a part of that or like silliness or because i mean okay uh we met doing a very silly dumb play 
Oh my God! Can we talk about that? If you'd like, yeah. We did awesome eighties awesome prom. prom, which is yeah. an interactive uh, John Hughes send up. Yeah. Why don't you explain what? I mean, everybody kind of knows what awesome eighties prom is. Yeah, I'm sure it's it's where all the actors uh, are John Hughes stereotypes. You know, right. the principal, the bad boy, the nerd, and all that kind of stuff. And you. There are like planned bits that happen, but fundamentally the audience is just going to a prom and interacting with these improvisers. Right, it's like an interactive kind of thing, and yeah. we were we were the characters, and the whole audience was the prom. Right, it's ridiculous. Right. So, and in retrospect, if somebody offered me to do that now, I'd be like, hell no. Well, remember when when, when it happened a second time? Yes, at a nightclub, and at nobody nightclub showed and up. Nobody showed up. Yeah, so we just hung out for two hours and listened to Journey. Right. It was so sad. Yeah. It was really sad. It was. It was so sad. <laughs> it actually was almost, it, it, I felt almost as sad doing that second play that I did watching Shaggy just now. Understandable. Well, because it's the exact same thing. I mean, to a certain extent, the director, who was a very earnest and I would say nice person. He was a nice person. Yeah. But he also made me sad. Yeah. Well, because it's that Matthew McConaughey, like, living the glory days. I mean, you know, he looked like an an aged ex, like, somebody who had a Is lot of fun. Is this person going to be listening to this? Highly doubtful. But, I mean, in all honesty, he seemed like somebody who had a ton of fun at an REO Speedwagon show in the 80s. Yeah. And wanted, and wanted to give that to people and was being denied that opportunity because people weren't coming to his show. Yeah. Uh, but but filmscope.com. Uh, <laughs> a film struck. You, gosh, you were so young. Well, we have only one segment on this podcast. Okay. You gotta hurry. Great. We are star stuff at the universe's test. Does this test the Sagan test? The famed philosopher of science and scientist himself, Carl Sagan, once said that he wanted an adult version of Scooby-Doo because it propagated skepticism and the scientific method. Does this episode pass the Sagan test? Say that middle part again. Uh, he wanted an adult version of Scooby-Doo Ooh. because it propagated skepticism and the scientific method. So in a spiritual sense, is this episode of Scooby-Doo that we watched Sagan-esque? It propagated, meaning like it it endorsed. Yeah, yeah. Probably so, a better word. I might change okay. that intro. Okay. So meaning like yeah, no, it's absolutely the scientific method. They they actually, I mean, one might even argue it's. I mean, they literally are like, oh, I found a clue. Like they 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 found the the brush, the the duster, um, the the suction cups, the suction cups, the the chloroform, the, the burned page of mm. where they found out she was a circus freak um right so, <laughs> well, she I mean, was one of the talented yeah, ones no i mean and they they're literally piecing it all together so yeah i would say that um skepticism i'm wondering how skepticism is in there well they don't believe that it's the ghost of right yeah there you go and also i mean the the w- the most embodying fact for me for this episode would be that when they were wrong they were accepting of it they made a hypothesis, they tested it, they took off that mask, oh, and right. then when they were wrong, they accepted the results. Yeah. They said, yeah. oh yeah, it is this dude. It isn't yeah. her. Right, yeah. And they, you know... And then they put it all Gave together. us ham-fisted right. exposition at the end of it. Yeah, yeah. There was a lot of ham-fisted exposition in this episode, and I loved every second of it. So I would say that absolutely it passes those, those Great. tests. Okay. That's awesome. All right. Well, tell the people where they can find you. 
Uh, you can find me. Do, oh God! What do you um, want to pimp right now? No. Um, what do I want to <laughs> pimp? I want to pimp. I, I'm, look, I'm going to tell you guys to go to my website, which is smithgaltney.com. S m i t h g a l t n e y dot c o m. Thanks and, for the comment. But, but look, it, I haven't touched it in like three and a half years, and I'm in the process of updating it. So, don't. do you use Squarespace? I do use Squarespace. Sweet. How easy is it? Um, it's super easy. Have you used their 24 hour support? Uh, I've heard really good things and I heard that they're super, super helpful. If you use Squarespace, tell them I sent you. There's no promo code or anything. Right. I just want them to know that I exist now. So go to, go to, uh, Smith Galtney at Smith Galtney on Instagram. You know, the usual. Great. And shit. <laughs> <laughs> You know, Perfect. wherever you find anyone these days. Jesus Christ. Well, thank you so much for being on, dude. Thank this you, was Nick. a blast. This was actually really fun. I'll come oh, yeah. back another time if you want me to. Perfect. All right. Excellent. Okay. Well, to you and yours this holiday season, rig it up. Don't stick it up. Goodbye. All right. Thank you. Post credit Marvel, Marvel sequence. sequence. The Blue Moon Chronicles. Oh my God. I saw you standing alone. <laughs> <laughs> That's Elvis Presley, you twat. Not originally. I'm sure it was a black person he stole it from. <laughs> Fats Domino, I think, did Blue Monday. I'm thinking of Blueberry Hill. You're thinking of Blueberry Hill. I found my thrill <laughs> on Blue Moon. <laughs> Mashing it up, bruh. <laughs> What's With You Scooby-Doo is a member of the Stolen Dress Podcast Network. Visit StolenDress.com to check out our other Stolen Dress podcasts, blogs, tweets, videos, and books.